Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today we have a fantastic guest, Michael Saka, VP Product at Dribble, and we're going to talk about the latest few years at Dribble that they've been overhauling the whole experience. This episode is brought to you by Webflow. It gives designers the power of code in a visual interface, allowing you to directly build whatever you have in mind without engineers. Webflow's whole thesis is that designers are used to learning complex visual software, but none of these tools actually output production code. Webflow takes that next step by bringing the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript into a visual interface. Webflow, the power of code without writing it. Create a new account at wfl.io clever and use promo code UXUIBreakfast to get 10% off any annual plan. Hey, Michael. Hello. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad we finally made it to this recording <laughs> because... W- You've been kind of uncatchable. I'm very <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so for those people who don't know who you are, can you please tell us like what have you been up for before uh, you landed as, as a product pro leader at Dribble? So what did you do before? Yeah, so I, I started out uh, too long ago running an agency in San Diego, and we were we were really focused on like mobile, cutting edge mobile development. So like no JS at the time. This is like fifteen, sixteen years ago. Centra development, and uh, from that we built a, a sizable agency working with Nike, Scholastic, a lot of other big brands. And then I, I kind of burnt out on the agency, and I decided to try a startup. So I joined Crew. And because I had been running an agency, I I learned how to sell. And so with Crew, I took over our partnerships and kind of agency relationships. Crew was a freelance matching platform. So projects would come in and we would match them with, with freelancers around the globe. And... From there, we we did some product development, some experimental kind of R&D projects around agency referrals. And then Crew had also built this side project on Splash. And on Splash had been growing like a weed, really. And at, there was a certain point where it had become kind of the focal point of the company and actually had a higher valuation than Crew. And so we decided to spin Unsplash out of Crew. And the leadership team from Crew moved over to focus on on Unsplash, which was just an incredible opportunity. And we took Crew and we sold it to Dribble. And so I came over to Dribble with the team there. And for the first couple couple years, I led our strategy, our marketing, our sales, and our data teams at Crew before about a year ago, year and a half ago, taking over as uh, to lead the product team. That's a fantastic story. So not only you have a product lead uh, of Dribble, but also the essentially founder of Unsplash. Is that the correct thing to say? Oh, I am not. No, no, no. Mikel <laughs> Cho is the the founder. I just came over. I was an early employee at Crew and Unsplash. And so I kind of ran with the Crew side and, and they moved over to the, to the Unsplash side. That's awesome. So what has been that company trajectory at Dribble because it was originally founded by Dan Sitterholm, then it was acquired. So tell us more who bought it and how things have been unfolding ever since. 
Yeah. So Tiny Capital bought it, which was Andrew Wilkinson, who, you know, most notably built the fantastic agency MetaLab. And so as he's grown in in his career, he's built this Tiny Capital. They acquired Dribble, I believe, in late 2016. They brought on Zach Anisco to be the CEO. And we we're a really small team. I, I think after the crew acquisition, I was like the 12th employee at, at Dribble. For the first 10 years of the company, I think they they operated with between two and six employees. And so there was this massive platform, but they hadn't kind of taken advantage of some of the low-hanging fruit um, of, of the the site. And so Zach started building to really start to fulfill the vision of what he saw, uh, the opportunity for Dribble, uh, which was to really expand as a community um, and also modernize itself to to today's kind of design world. And and that's been really our mission for the last three years is to, to start to modernize the platform and expand the opportunity beyond the small set of US-focused product designers. As of today, 2020, crazy times, how would you describe Dribble like in a few sentences? What does it do these days? So Dribble is the destination, the inspiration destination for millions of designers around the globe. And it really drives what the internet looks like uh, on the big scale. Every designer is on Dribble, and those trends that move through Dribble do help to drive the look of the, of the greater web. Apparently, it's something purple or lilac. Uh, <laughs> Gradients. <laughs> It'll change from day to day. <laughs> right. Now, with the striper design, we're going to sh be shifting into yellow gradients, I think. Uh, such a refreshing thing. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. So, what has been this overhaul that you've been leading? What would you think say the biggest directions are where do you think the product has been radically changing yeah so before the redesign there was we started to look at the the community and the community's needs right and one of the big things that we saw was dribble really was a portfolio for people right it started out as what are you working on and a place to share your work but it would become as it evolved was a place for people to get discovered And we didn't feel like we were doing a great job of being that canvas for people to display their design work. And so we set out to start to solve some of the problems that got people excited about Dribble in the first place. And when you look at, we have a testimonials page and almost every testimonial is I got hired at this company or I got my first freelance opportunity. It was all directed around getting discovered. So we wanted to, to one, take the, the canvas of the site and really update it so that it, it could better display this design work. We were still displaying 800 by 600 screenshots. So we wanted to, to expand the size there so you could see really the beauty of the work that people were doing in high res we wanted to kind of the platform had this kind of gray aesthetic that it had had for about a decade we wanted to take that back to white right and and just kind of make the platform a little bit more invisible and the work a little bit bring the work uh, forward more and then we wanted to better to build a better profile for users because they were using this as their portfolio but the profiles on dribble were a copy of Twitter from you know 2015 and so we we wanted to actually is take a step back and reimagine what would a social portfolio look like 
which is a portfolio that was streamlined, but also discoverable by the greater community. And so how could we facilitate that discovery and really show off a designer's work when they send out their Dribbble profile link, which happens you know, thousands of times a day, uh, especially for designers that haven't built, uh, haven't taken the time to build their own site, which is extremely painful, right? And so we knew there was a, there was a really healthy chunk of the community that was just using us as their portfolio. We wanted to do a better job of displaying their work and really representing who they were as a designer. So if you were to describe, you know, sort of jobs to be done, idea of Dribbble, then the portfolio job is definitely taking leadership this day. And what other jobs does it do for your visitors? So yeah, the portfolio was the big one. The inspiration is the other one. And and Dribbble is the one of the places yeah. where people come every day to find inspiration. And we never really leaned into that as a company. We, we were always focused on kind of other aspects, but there's millions of people that come to the site every month for inspiration, inspiration alone. And so we wanted to do a much better job at that as well. Can you give us an overview of other platforms, competitor platforms such as Behance and others? Because now if you do, we can better understand where Dribble fits into this bigger picture and when a designer should go to Dribble or when they should create Behance profile or probably both. And how does it all work? Maybe there are other com- like some new ones that have popped up. Yeah, so th- there's two real uh, sites. So when you look at inspiration, there's there is Behance, right? Behance is a large platform. It has everything from design to photography housed on it. And they're very much a social portfolio network, much like Dribbble. And then on the other side, you have these kind of pattern libraries like Mobbin, and there's a handful of others. Uh, Really good emails is a great one for emails in particular. And so there's not a community there as much, Um, but there is, they do break down the, the design work in a different way. And so it's usually by by pattern. So people do use those for, for inspiration as well. So we, we wanted to better satisfy both sides, right? We knew that we were this community, we're a place where people come to get discovered. And so we, we definitely had to lean into that aspect. Um, but we also wanted to improve our search results, improve our categories, improve our discoverability on the site. So that if you're looking for a bottom, bottom nav bar, you can find it on Dribbble, right? And and so even if you're looking for those very specific UI elements, we still want it to be a destination for that. And immediately we were failing in that regard in many ways. Do you consider Behance being your competition or do you like peacefully coexist? Especially that has been uh, acquired by Adobe a few years ago. Now everybody's been acquired by everybody, basically. (laughs) So, I mean, I I think we peacefully coexist, but obviously, yes, there there is definitely competition. There's competition for eyeballs. There's competition for where is a designer going to put their effort in when they're looking to showcase their work. And so, but, you know, also we can look at Instagram, right? I, I think Instagram is another place where designers are posting their work regularly and it's really easy to, and there's literally the world is on Instagram. So the discoverability piece is is very attractive. So we, we've looked at how do we build better tools for, for designers when people are specifically looking to hire a designer. Instagram isn't necessarily the best place, but it is a great place to get your work seen. And so, yeah, I, I think we, we do peacefully coexist with, with Behance, but I, I do think there's always a, a healthy competition there. How does Dribble run as a business? Because there's got to be some monetization model in place. So what, what is that monetary fuel that funds all the other activities? Because it's a giant technical thing, right? Yeah. Because it has millions of profiles on it. Yeah, right. Where, where Behance is, it's funded by 
you purchasing an Adobe subscription, right? And, and Adobe having this kind of conglomerate of products for designers to use and Behance is really the lead gen solution for that. We've always been bootstrapped. We've always been uh, self-funded. So we have to figure out how do we take this ever-growing community and build a business around it so that we can continue to provide for that community. And so we have our pro subscription. We also have a pro business subscription for design teams and freelancers. Um, and those are really our big drivers there and, and our main focus. We also have hiring subscriptions for hiring managers are coming in, want an easier way to find a designer. We have the largest job board for designers, which is really the big driver there. And then we do have an advertising business. So for, for companies that are looking to advertise to designers, we have newsletters, we have that. But our core focus really is pro and that that pro subscription, because that's where we can uh, start to build more value back to the design community. Thanks for sharing some of these behind the scenes. Um, so I wonder, you being head of uh, VP product, uh, leading the product team, uh, what does your everyday activity look like? Uh, what are you working on? How do you have uh, your designers, your development team? How does the world work on an everyday basis? Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, unsurprisingly, I think we have shifted into to really being a design first um, product organization. So what that means is we, we give our design team a lot of freedom and to explore and to really kind of build what that scope for the future engineering team will be. And so we're trying to work six to eight weeks ahead of the the actual product roadmap to do a lot of our R&D through the design um, and do a lot of our ideation through through design. So part of it is writing kind of those shaping documents for the design team, which help to point us directionally. And then working through our various design phases, and then we'll get uh, to a scope doc at the end of that. And so we, we take that kind of finalized design and we start to build the product scope as opposed to writing the scope and the requirements first which we found was limiting to the kind of exploration process. And so, yeah, so my day-to-day is working with the design team, working with the engineering team, making sure that uh, we're on track, make sure that we're, we're headed, we're shipping the right things, and, and that that our processes are, are such that we have a very small team, so we have to be very agile. We, we have to be very efficient if we're going to support this, this global community with a team of nine engineers. We, we do a lot of scope cutting, a lot of prioritization, and that tends to be the day-to-day is making sure that the, the team's process is such that they can be as efficient as possible. In our pre-recording chat, you mentioned more than once that Dribble is a vision-driven company. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for you? Yeah. So, I mean, you were asking about A-B testing, and so which I think <laughs> has, has great value, but A-B testing only gets you incremental growth, right? So you're shooting for 1%, 2%, 3% growth when you're A-B testing. So what we've found is that if we can set a North Star for the product, we feel more comfortable taking big bets. And that's with the redesign, right? We can't A-B test ourselves into a complete site redesign. We, we often can't A-B test ourselves into the right product features for a pro subscription or what hiring managers need. And so we have taken a, a vision approach, which combines you know our data and strategy. We have millions of people visiting the site. So we have good insights into what they're there and what they're looking for. But it is a allowed us to kind of take a a wider lens at look at growth, make some big bets, make sure that we're comfortable with it, obviously, and then set ourselves up for iterative release.
releases that point us in the right direction. So we can learn iteratively, but not necessarily an A-B test, if you will. So we'll release a piece of, of a larger um, scope of work, uh, which we could talk about one of the, the iterative releases we're, we're working on right now. We learn with each release. We go back and make sure that we're still in line with that bigger vision and that we're headed in the right direction. But that allows us to, to really shoot for 10, 20, 30% growth versus one or two percent. What's your North Star metric, I guess the question is, or a larger question is what does success look like for a dribble? Because are you like a profit-driven organization or do you want like 100% satisfaction from your giant user base because that's impossible? What's your uh, what's your success metric? Yeah, so I mean our success metric is pushing the design community forward, right? And so we're looking at are we helping to make designers successful in their career? And I think what we're going for here is, is can we serve more designers? Can we better serve a, a global community of designers? And can we serve designers at various times in their career across their, their complete life cycle? So really our, our success is the number of designers that we facilitate in having a career in design. That's a really awesome goal. And uh, how do you how do you translate that into everyday numbers? Because there's probably really hard to take qualitative feedback into consideration. They probably do mostly quantitative <laughs> research or how does it even look? Sure. No, I mean, it numbers, right? We're looking at daily active of users on the site. Are people repeatedly coming back to Dribbble as their inspiration destination? Do they find value in the pro subscription? Do we have the right features for them? that are, are helping them actually grow? And are we the place where they are choosing to invest their time, right? I think more and more we, we live in a fragmented social world from Twitter to Instagram to Behance. There's a lot of places where designers can invest their time. And so we're, we're looking at, are we one of those places or are we the destination for designers when they're looking to showcase their work? Are they spending time on Drip? What are some of the most scandalous improvements that you've made? And uh, I really want to point you towards uh, removing the social stats and sure. things like that that you've introduced. Yeah. So, I mean, th this was something that came out of a lot of our research with early designers. And so we, when we, we went to redesign the profiles, we found that there was a large, uh, from various surveys that we had done, there was a large uh, portion of our users that were simply using the dribble profile as their portfolio. And there was also on the on the flip side of that is when talking to young designers, there is extreme anxiety around posting on dribble, because there's the sense of what if I don't get any likes, then am I any good is because we're, we're not just a, a place to showcase you post on Instagram, right? We're, we're not just a place to showcase we are what people perceive as the design community. So if the design community doesn't like your work, are you even a good designer? And so there's a ton of anxiety around getting engagement on their work just to, to post, to get started. And it seemed really unfair if people were using us as their portfolio to then have that judgment on their portfolio. And so if they only, if they were new to the platform, they only had a couple follows, would that influence a, a hiring decision? If their work that, that they had spent months on only had 100 likes, 
would that influence their next job opportunity? And so we took the controversial decision to remove a lot of those metrics that were easy to find on on their individual profiles, really in, a, in an effort to help them as, as both early designers and even late stage designers focus on the work, right? For, uh, for people visiting those profiles, we wanted the work to be first and foremost and the social component to be secondary. And so with the redesign, one of the things that we did was we removed social stats um, from the the least initial experience of the profile in an effort to drive people towards appreciating the design and judging the design. Is that something that that they appreciate that they want to work with rather than letting the, the community kind of guide those decisions with uh, interaction metrics? Tell us how this whole, whole invite story uh, works these days, because it's been quite a thrill to to earn a Dribble invite <laughs> to get it from someone and post your first shot and things like that. I yeah. clearly remember those moments in my life. They were pretty thrilling. So yeah. how does it work these days? Is it the same story? Is it invite only? Do you can just buy your way into that? Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. So it is the same as it as it was, where you do need to be invited to the community. If you purchase Pro, you can bypass uh, that invite system. We did that for inclusion reasons, because, you know, when you have a community that invites others to it as the only way to access, you end up building a community that can be rather homogenous. And so we felt like that we were, we were, potentially keeping people out of the community that wanted to be there, deserved to be there, simply because they weren't connected to the current people on Dribble. And we were looking at a global community. We could see concentrated pockets of, of where designers were being invited from. But if you're not within one of those pockets, you actually can't participate in, in Dribble if you're not invited. And so we did want to give at least an avenue for that. And I think we'll have some some bigger changes coming to that invite system later this year. Awesome. Awesome. So what else is in the works at the moment? Yeah. So we're working on the big thing that we recently started teasing is we're working on case studies. And so we've always been a four by three platform, right? Where it's the four by three shot. It is easy. It is simple. Um, and, and, and it's worked, uh, for, for 10 years, but we do feel this need that designers have more than a four by three shot that they're working on. It becomes really hard to show off that product thought, that UX thought, really all of the effort that goes into even a a logo, right? And even if a logo gets 2000 likes, um, is incredibly popular, we haven't given a great forum for you to tell how you got to that final product. And so what we'll be expanding into later this year is a, a full-fledged case study so that designers can really show off more of their process and can really add that written component and better express themselves who they are as a designer, which is is really where we felt the it was time for the platform to be able to showcase work in that way. In spite of the fact that these are some amazing improvements, how do you personally and, and the owners of the platform feel about, you know, uh, changing the legacy of it? Because it was yeah. originally a whole different thing. Like, what's the strategy there? I, I think we're not changing. I, I believe the community is changing. And so while we're strategically trying to follow where the community is going, um, our goal is to better serve the community. And I, I think the community of 10 years ago is so much different than the community 
today. And while a lot of the same people are evolved, even they have advanced in their career and the needs of a designer. I mean, 10 years ago, we all just used Photoshop to, to mock up websites and load everything, right? <laughs> and today there's, you know, prototyping tools and I don't even know how many design resources available and tooling available for all aspects. So I, the, the industry has really grown. Designers have, in 10 years ago, there was one designer for every 89 engineers inside IBM. Today there's one in six. So designers' influence inside of organizations has also changed. And there's been a, a huge, really, movement in order to get designers a seat at the table. But with that seat has come more responsibility and, and more communication. And so we want to try to match designers to where they are today and how they're working professionally and give them really a way to showcase the full breadth of thought. They're not just pushing pixels around Photoshop. They are part of that, that moral leadership and the directional leadership within these organizations. So we feel like the community is changing. The community is evolving. We're just trying to match them to where they are. Do you feel like Dribble will ever be done? <laughs> no, nothing's <laughs> As a done. Product. I mean, <laughs> nothing's done. No, yeah. Well, and, and not only that, but I, I don't think the community will ever stop evolving, right? And and so, and really, what Dribble is is a reflection of the greater design community. And so, designers will always evolve, products will always evolve, and so the platform will have to evolve to showcase whatever it is they're working, whether that's. Uh, neural networks in the future, or I like, I don't know what it'll look like, but I know that the design industry will never be static. And so thus, I don't believe the platform could ever be either. What would be your advice for designers who are listening to us, who for some reason either don't have an active dribble profile or have an abandoned one? What do you think is a good practice to get some life into your profile, both social and portfolio aspects? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we really see ourselves as that social portfolio. It's been something we've been talking about a lot. And so we, we see it, there's many use cases for a social portfolio. It's either to grow, get feedback, which we'll, we'll be working on some really exciting features here in the, in the next couple of months to help designers get more feedback from the global community in a safer way. And, and then there's, there's obviously the, the portfolio aspect. But I, I think... It, Designers historically have had a lot of anxiety around showcasing their work on Dribble if it's not completely polished. But there's a whole community of, of people who do share that work in progress work. That is the heart of what where Dribble started. It was really just what are you working on? The, the stuff wasn't done. It wasn't polished, but it was it was ripe for communication and thought. Right. And so I think depending on what you're looking to get out of it, there's a way to use Dribble. It's not just a portfolio, although it can be. It is also a community to to share and get feedback and grow. So depending on on what people are looking for at their stage in their career, there's absolutely a use case for for showcasing their work um, and to connect with the global design community. Are there any real pressing problems and challenges that you're facing? Or, you know, this is kind of a resume kind of question. Yeah. It's like, I only have a good, well, I'm too good looking or, you know, my <laughs> other problems like that. So what are your artificial problems at Dribble? So at Dribble, <laughs> I, I think, I think for, for a while we lost a, a little sight of, of where the community was going. And so I do feel like we are, we're kind of getting back to some of those founding uh, principles of Dribble and we're, 
moving as fast as we can to get there. So both modernizing the platform, aligning it to where where designers are today, but then getting back to facilitating that designer to designer connection. And so we're working on improving our comment system, bringing in even private comments for feedback in ways that today all feedback is in public and no designer really I hate getting feedback, but getting feedback in public is even worse, right? We're trying to develop new avenues for designers to actually help each other grow in ways that don't have social and lasting implications, right? And so we don't want people to be arguing in the in the comment system. We also don't want people to be po- to have a fear of posting something that they want feedback on simply because that feedback will then be done in public in front of millions of people. And so that's that's one of the big challenges is making the the platform feel connected and small again, right? So even if we are millions of people, how do we help you find your community of 25, 50 designers? And that's how it was in the early days. And that's what got people so excited about Dribbble. That's why getting that invite was was such an experience because you you had arrived, right? You are you are now part of the the design community. That that's that's how I felt. And so we're, we're trying to facilitate that type of interaction again on the, on the site so that we can continue to bring that experience to millions of people around the world. There is this aspect of uh, gamification that was baked into Dribbble uh, yeah. concept from day one. So you have whatever, a number of metaphors connected to sure. basketball. So how do you think, does this aspect uh, work out fine? Do people understand and grasp what it means? Or do you think this is more like legacy and you can do <laughs> without them really? The basketball terms it's in particular? Yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're certainly, it'll always be part of our DNA, but... We are trying to, I, I think, move to clarity. And so when we think about the UX of, of Dribble and the, the information architecture, basketball terms don't lend a whole lot. In fact, there was people on our team that didn't know what like a point guard was. Or, and so we can't, we can't continue to name everything after basketball terms if the global community isn't necessarily going to understand the references, right? And so we have, we have tried to really lean into clarity and away from some of those more basketball specific, but the ball's our logo um, and it'll always be part of our of our legacy here. The news is that Dribble has joined forces with uh, the creative market, which also seems to be a huge name. Yeah. So yeah. give us some, you know, news flash uh, story <laughs> <laughs> about that. Yeah. When did is it happen it... and what's, go- what's coming up in that regard? I guess it was about four... Four months ago, we acquired Creative Market. Creative Market is one of the leading digital asset sites on the web. And so we really saw it as a partnership to, to better serve designers, right? Design assets are, are a part of the, the design world. And so if we can help connect designers with great, really tools for their work, we felt like that was a, a win for us. So yeah, you'll start, you'll start seeing more creative market on Dribble. I'm sure we've been kind of collaborating with their team, trying to, to figure out the direction that we want to go together. Uh, but we're, we're really excited to be able to work closer with their team. There's someone that we've always talked about partnerships with, and now we can, we can really kind of fulfill on some of those visions. As we're wrapping up uh, today's episode, for our listeners, could you give an overview of the resources that Dribble offers? And one of them I'd love to point to is the Overtime podcast. And we yeah. had Mag Lewis back here a few episodes ago, and she's absolutely amazing. So anything else you're putting out there that people should know about? 
Yeah, Meg Lewis is amazing. We've been so lucky to have her hosting our podcast over time. We have a a fantastic blog resource for designers. We've got a a great team dedicated to that. We have daily newsletters with advice for designers. We obviously have the inspiration destination with our shots and our popular page. And if you're looking to hire designers, we, we just launched a brand new designer search. And so if you are looking to, to hire, that is one of the, the best visual resources for hiring designers. I know on LinkedIn, you can't see the portfolio. We brought the portfolio right into the, to the sourcing experience. So that's another, another great resource to check out. Thank you so much. If people want to follow your thinking personally, where can they find you online? Sure, sure. So I do a, a weekly podcast, rocketship.fm. You can find that wherever uh, you do podcasts. I'm on Twitter at Michael Saka and Dribble at Saka. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those stories and uh, product, your product vision with us today. Oh, we're absolutely excited to learn and hope all, all to the new beginnings, you know, <laughs> of this wonderful old uh, new platform. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. You too.